0: Before we jump into the message, uh, just a couple of items I want to remind you of. First of all, uh, this time of year, we always present an overview of our upcoming year's budget. And that is at the Welcome Home table. If you'd like a copy of that, then the 2023 uh, budget overview is out at the table. If you're a member of Journey, then we're going to ask you to uh, affirm that next week when you come back. If you've been here before, you know how that works. That'll be in the hallway as well, but feel free to pick up a copy uh, on your way out today. Second thing, and somewhat related, is uh, this time of year, the Christmas season, end of the year, we always have a Christmas offering, at end of the year. Uh, uh, extra gift to something that is outside of our budget uh, that we want to accomplish as a church. And we're so excited about the new plans that we have for uh, adding a children's ministry suite just on the other side of those walls. There's a drawing in the hallway. You can look at specifics and details. On the drawing. Uh, But we're going to be adding uh, a new children's ministry suite where we can keep all of our kids' ministry in one spot, make it more secure, uh, make it easier uh, for parents to drop off kids and that sort of thing, pick up uh, their kids. And then because we're adding that, we're going to be able to. Designate what's currently the children's worship room as our youth room. Our teenage ministry is growing uh, probably faster than any other ministry in our church. And so we want to give a designated space for our students, decorated for them, furniture for them. That's going to happen in the back hallway, and then that's going to allow us to add some more adult community group rooms so that more of our community groups can meet on campus on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and and during the week, uh, as well as some... uh, hospitality type uh rooms that we're going to be able to uh, repurpose uh, here in our building. Again, the drawing is in the hallway. Happy to answer questions about that uh, in the hallway afterwards if you have some questions about it. But we would encourage you to make an extra gift. Consider making an extra offering above your regular giving towards our Christmas offering that will go to fund all of that that uh, we were just talking about. You can do that online. You can do that. uh, There's some Christmas offering envelopes at the black boxes in the back if you want to give in person. We're studying uh, through Isaiah chapter 9, and, and we come to the issue of power today. Power power is a subject that we all have a love-hate relationship with, right? We love to have power. We hate when we don't have power. That's kind of our tension uh, with power. We have a lot of sayings about power. For example, we, we say that power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? That's one of our go-to sayings for power. We say knowledge is power. Uh, we talk about power players, right? we, we mean like the really important people, the, the people who make the decisions, the people who have all, all the power, they're the power players in an organization or uh, in, in a nation, uh, they're the, the power players, uh, we, we talk about people who sit in the seat of power, like they, again they have the power, they're, they're the decision makers um, we have phrases that don't include the word power. Like in our families, we talk about who wears the pants, right? That's a power question, kind of an odd question, right? Because hopefully everybody has pants, right? And, and hopefully we're all wearing them, right? But, but that's one of the phrases we use. Who wears the pants? Um, please, let's all wear pants. We, we say that power is seductive, right? Power, power is seductive. We say that power changes people sometimes we observe when a person gets in a person a, a position of power they at least in, in our perspective they tend to become someone else right we say power goes to our head right that's another phrase that we use if we don't have power we think we want power or at least we want more power than we actually have because we think that we can handle power power corrupts other people it wouldn't corrupt me i should get some power i should have some uh, power, or, or we play mind experiments like, if I had the power, I would. And then we fill in the blank. Right? If I were king for a day, if I were queen for a day, if they would let me make all the decisions. right? We, we do these power mental exercises because we think, if I just had the power, things would be a whole lot better. If I could just make all the decisions, things would be a whole lot better. We talk about the illusion of power. Some people think they have power, they don't have power. Husbands, that's all of us, right? All our wives let us think we have power. We don't have power. It's the illusion of power. Right? We want power. We know there's a place for power at the same time. we have observed that people use power to abuse other people.? Right? People who have power tend to keep power and keep it away from people who don't have power. People use power to amplify certain voices and to silence other voices. All of us have had experiences. Maybe maybe you've felt some of the abuses of power. Maybe you've been in a situation where you were on the short end of the power structure, and that had some sort of consequence for you. Just turn on the news, look at any place in the globe, and you will see power differentials, like people who have power and what they do with it, and often how they abuse and take advantage of other people. Power has a strange effect on us, and yet we still want power, We still feel like we should have power because we would manage it better. Uh, Long before Jesus was born, long before the first Christmas night, there was a prophet named Isaiah. I introduced him to you last week. There was a prophet named Isaiah who spoke about what this coming Messiah was going to be, and he gave him, gave him names, or, or he said, this is what he'll be called, right? They weren't literal names. He wasn't, he wasn't giving them a list of baby names. Hey, pick one of these. Um, although in 2022, probably somebody would pick one of those today. The names have gotten out of control. Have you realized this? Baby names have gotten out of control Sometimes, I get it, largely it's celebrities, and I won't give any examples, but are you like me? Do you ever hear the name that a celebrity has given their child and thought, that kid's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life, you know? Or at least until he gets old enough to change his name to Bill, right? He's just, get rid of the crazy name, pick a normal name. Yeah, names are out of control. These weren't specific names for the Messiah. These were descriptors. Like, this is what he's going to be like. This is going to be his character. He's going to be unique. He's not like any other baby that's ever been born. He's going to be one of a kind. And, and Isaiah was communicating this Messiah would embody the characteristics of God because he would be God. He would actually be God. And therefore, all of the characteristics of God would reside in this Messiah that was coming. Here, here's our focal passage. December, Isaiah 9:6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor. And then the next thing he would be called, Isaiah says this, is mighty God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. We talked about wonderful counselor. Last week, I did not appreciate how many of you told me my message was wonderful, by the way. And if you weren't here last week, you don't know what that means. But some of you know what that means, all right? I'm over it now. We're going to move on. Mighty God is the next designation. This is a designation of power. I mean, what is might but power? He is a mighty God. He is an all-powerful God. Isaiah did not say, and he will be a frail God. He didn't say that. And he will be a weak God. He will be a puny God. Isaiah said, this Messiah that's coming, that like the characteristic, he's going to embody might, power. He's going to be the all-powerful God. And and we see this all throughout the Bible, this description of God as a powerful God. Here's some examples. 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power. To exalt and give strength to all. Now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Right, the chronicler is describing God and just over and over again. He says... He's powerful, He's strong, He's mighty. This is the God that you have. This is the God that I have. Jeremiah chapter 10 writes, But God made the earth by His power. He founded the world by His wisdom and stretched out the heavens by His understanding. When He thunders the waters and the heavens roar, He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from His storehouses... Over and over. Every description he can come up with, right? Some of these are probably poetic. It's imagery. It's metaphor. And Jeremiah's just saying, How many different ways can I tell you how powerful this God is? The psalmist, they join in. This is Psalm 29. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Again, it's the, it's the psalmist, so it's poetic. It's, it's imagery, it's metaphor, but he's grasping at every natural illustration he can find to say, you just can't understand how powerful God is. You can't begin to conceive how mighty God is. Uh, this is from Deuteronomy. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. Again, metaphor, imagery, exaggerate, just building it up. You can't, but he rides on the clouds. He's so majestic. He's over the heavens. He's powerful. He's, he's great. Understand how incredible this God is. We we have a theological word or, or a descriptive word when we start to talk about the characteristics of God. We have a specific word for His power, and you probably know it. It's the word omnipotent. Like that's the that's the big word that, and six dollars will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks, right? Omnipotent. That's the big the big theological word, which just means He's all powerful. He's all power at, 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 at the most basic understanding of omnipotent is. He's all-powerful. Now, in our theology, we we qualify that just a little bit and define it more like this. God is capable of accomplishing all that He wills. God is capable of accomplishing all that He wills. Whatever God desires to do, God can do. Whatever God sets His mind on, God can accomplish. People sometimes ask nonsensical questions around god's omnipotence or, or the fact that he's all-powerful and so people will ask questions like if god is all-powerful can he create a rock so heavy that he can't lift it and the theological response to that is that's just stupid right? that's that's just a stupid question all right god is not a carnival act Where where his creation gets to sit back and ask him dumb questions. Oh, can you do this? Can you do that? Hey, can you do that? God's not a carnival act. God does whatever God determines that he wants to do, and nothing can stop him. God accomplishes everything that he sets his will to accomplish, and nothing can stop him. He's never too weak, he's never short of resources. He's never lacking. Now, that stops me from doing some things, right? There are things that I want to do. There are, there are things, furniture that I want to move in the house, and I don't have the strength, and I got to get, like, another person on the other end. Uh, there, there are things that I want to purchase that I don't have the resources for. <clears throat> like, I, the washing machine broke down, and the car broke down, and so we got to delay that particular purchase because we don't have enough money in the bank to get that. To. Now, that happens to me. That happens to you. That never happens to God. God's never in heaven saying, you know, I really want to do this, but hey, angels, I think we're going to have to wait for another paycheck, another paycheck or two before we can do that. That's never God. And I really want to do this, but I'm a little sore from what we did yesterday. I think I need to take a nap, and then maybe I can try it again. God never says that. If God wills to do something, he does it. If God desires to do something, he doesn't. He's never held back. He's never slowed down. He has no limitations whatsoever other than his own will and his own desire for what he wants to accomplish. He's a mighty God. And that's our hope, isn't it? Like really, when we go through difficult times, part of our hope is that God is way stronger than we are. When we face what seem like insurmountable obstacles in our own life, and, and you've been there, right? You, you, you face really difficult challenges and you knew, okay, I don't know what to do. I don't think I can accomplish this. It is good to know. It is hopeful to know that we can call out to the God who knows no limitations, right? Who is able to do all things. And yes, he chooses to answer those prayers in different ways. We're not gonna go down that road. But our hope when we are weak, is that God is strong. Our hope when we feel defeated is that God is victorious. Our hope when we don't understand is that God understands all. Right? He is a mighty, powerful God. And, and there will never be a day where we change our mind about that. Like, we won't wake up one day and think, well, God's not all that powerful. When you were a kid, if you had a good relationship with your dad, <clears throat> When you were when you were a little kid, your dad was the strongest man you knew, wasn't he? Like he was in your mind, you thought, my dad can do anything. Yeah, my my dad's the greatest. My dad could beat up Superman. Like my dad, my dad can beat up your dad. Right? We did that. Right when we were little kids, my dad can beat up your dad. Cuz your dad he threw you up in the air, threw you in the pool, and threw you on the couch, and threw you out in the backyard. He was like, he could do anything. He was faster than you. He, he won all the races. You play basketball, and he beat you, right? Because that's what dads do. We don't let our kids win. We beat our kids as long as we can <clears throat> because they got to learn that lesson, right? They got to learn that lesson somewhere. They might as well learn it from us. This is how you lose. We get older, though, we get older, we grow up a little bit, and we, we begin to realize, you know, m- my dad's not the strongest man in the world, after all. Uh, as a matter of fact, probably uh, every other man on the planet could beat up my dad, I think. You know, some of us, I, that's what my kids think when, when they when they got to this. There was a realization, oh, dad's not that strong. Um, if you live long enough, you may even get to a point where you, you begin to care, give care to your dad. You have to be the strong one. and And your dad is still the strongest man in your eyes in the sense of how much you love and respect your dad and how much you look up to him. but but you get to a point where you realize he, he's he's a man and and he's not the strongest in the earth, and he he cries sometimes too, and and he hurts just like everybody else hurts. We have this realization about other people that maybe at one time we thought we're just superhuman strong. You're never going to have that realization with God. You're not going to get to be 40 or 50 or 60 or 90 or 100, and finally you realize, well, God wasn't really as strong as they told me he was. You're just not, because he is. You're not going to go through an experience. We, we may question God. We may pray some really complex and difficult prayers sometimes. We may not understand some things. But we're not going to wake up one day and go, oh, God's really not all that strong. The the Bible says that at the end, his kingdom is the only one that's going to be left standing. The only one. He's going to be exalted above everything. All kingdoms of the earth will be gone, and the kingdom of heaven will be the only one that reigns, and God will be the only king that sits on a throne. And on that day, none of us are going to walk away from that moment and go, "Nah, I don't know if he's that strong after all. None of us. We're going to be overwhelmed in ways we don't even know how to be overwhelmed right now with the strength and the power... And the majesty and the goodness of God. And so Isaiah says, and he'll be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. He'll be called mighty God. That'll be who he is, that'll be his characteristics, that'll be his quality. Now, if that's true, a thought experiment. As best you can, knowing what we know about God's power, put yourself in His place. Just for a minute. Just for a minute. You are the mighty God. I know that's, that's hard to think about for most of us. Like some of you have been thinking that for a while. But <laughs> for the rest of us, if we can, just a moment. All that we just did, all we just read about, Rides on the Wind... That's you. That's you. And that's always been you. You are that person, that being, mighty God. And you, out of that power and and out of your goodness and your love and your mercy, long ago you created a universe with galaxies and and stars and planets and suns and moons. And, And one particular planet... You made hospitable to a being that you wanted to intentionally put on that planet. And so you created a being in your image. Like This wasn't like the animals and the vegetation, which all that was great. But you, mighty God, you created a being in your image, and then with the breath from your lungs, you breathed into that being, and the being came to life. you did that because you're a mighty God. And then you gave that being and his descendants, you gave that being the answer to all the test questions. You said to them, if you want to live a fulfilling, purposeful, wonderful life, here's how I made you. Here the answer to the test questions. If you live this way, there's going to be a flourishing about your life and your experience on this earth. Here, here's how you should live. You did. Mighty God, you did that. And that being broke every one of those rules. Didn't even appreciate the answers to the test questions. That being went through cycles where they didn't even know who you were. They didn't even remember you. They weren't, they made up God. Instead of you, mighty God, instead of you, they made up gods to worship. Made them out of wood and stone, created them out of thin air. We're gonna worship these gods. We don't want you, mighty God. We're gonna worship these gods. And really, the only time they came to you was when they had a problem. Right? They would run to you and say. Mighty God, can you save us from the consequences of our decisions? And you did. Like, you saved them. And they would run back to you and they would say, Mighty God, would you save us from our enemies? And you would say, I told you not to let them in the country, right? I told you not to intermarry with it. Like, I told you how to avoid this, but okay, I'll help you. Mighty God, we're having disease and plagues and famines. Would you help us? And you did. Like, over and over you helped this being that you created out of your power, and every time after you helped them, they went right back to forgetting about you. Over and over and over again. And then there was this moment. There was this moment in human history where you decided, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go down there and walk around. Do a little look-see. I'm going to go talk to them. Why don't you show up? Just show up. I've been telling them I've been coming. They, 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 they hadn't figured it out. But, but I, I'm going to go down there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit with them. Now, if you were the mighty God who had created this universe, you, you caused their planet to rotate at just the right speed, right? You, every day out of your power... You kept their planet just the right distance from the sun so they didn't freeze to death or burn up. Every day, out of your power, you made sure gravity operated at just the right pressure for them to survive. Every day you did this. This was your power. You did this. They wanted nothing to do with you, and you were going to go down there and talk to them. Tell me what your attitude would be. You don't have to tell me. Right, I know some of you. Right, you would go down there to clean house. I mean, you're the mighty God. You have all power. You would go down there to kick butt and take names. Right, like I'm going to clean this place up. They are not going to treat me this way. I am the mighty God. I created them. I tried to help them. All power coming to earth. We're going to set the record straight. And see, this is where the Christmas story gets weird. (laughs) It gets weird. Because the God with all power, who could do whatever he wants to do, whatever he wills to do, that we had rejected and sent away, that we distanced ourselves from, When he came to this earth after all of our disobedience, he came in the most vulnerable form imaginable. Not as a power to wreak havoc. Not as a judge to clean things up. He came as a baby. Whether he ate or drank, How long he sat in a messy diaper was completely up to the creation he had made. That power, that power that's true of him, he sets it aside. And he comes as weak and humble and gentle and vulnerable. He comes and instead... Of expressing anger, he gives grace freely. He comes and instead of trying to take over the power structures on earth, he moves as far away from the power structures as possible. He doesn't join the military, he doesn't try to become a commander, he's not a politician, he's not trying to overthrow Rome. He sits with women who've been rejected and disabled people who've been overlooked their whole life. He takes little kids and holds them in his arms. He moves quietly about, sharing the love of his father, person after person, after person, he's not even recognized in his hometown, which is ironic because he made the whole earth, right? Like the whole earth is his hometown. But the specific hometown that he was raised in physically, they didn't even recognize him as Messiah. The mighty God comes to earth give his life away. To be an example of serving other people, He took all of that power, and he used it to serve somebody else. Isaiah doesn't just write about his coming to earth. Isaiah foreshadows what the ending is going to be like for the mighty God, for the all-powerful God. And this is what it was going to look like at the end of the mighty God's life on earth. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in lowesting. We did not say, mighty God. We said, we don't want you. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, We are healed. This is the mighty God submitting not just to be born as a baby, but to to be killed by his own creation. Paul describes it well in Philippians chapter 2, when he says that when Jesus came, he set aside power, name, position. Paul uses the phrase, he emptied himself. He did not come for battle. He did not come to conquer. He came to give himself away. And in giving himself away, he conquered. In giving himself away, he won victory. Maybe not in the way we view victory. But how powerful do you have to be to have all of that might and strength and resist its use so that you can love the people that you created? Resist its use so that they would have an opportunity to come to you in mercy and grace and forgiveness. That's some power right there. Now the questions that remain, if all of this is true, why did he do it? Because you and I would not have done it. Why did he do it? He did it out of an unbelievable love for you. Just like you and I will never fully understand His power, we will never understand the depths of His love for His creation. An unbelievable commitment to His Father's plans and glory and a commitment to His love and mercy for you. That even when we had walked away, he did not come to defeat us. He did not come to conquer us. He came to win us with love and with the sacrifice of his own body. That's an amazing God. That's a, a powerful God. A God who had the power but refused to use his power against us when he could use his love for us. And in using his love For us, he demonstrated what power really is. That's why he did it. That we could be reconciled to him at his expense. It took nothing away from him as God to come as a human and give his life away. So next question, what does that mean for us? How should we live? in light of the way Christ lived, in light of this mighty God who gives His life away, how should we live? Well, the, the answer is obvious. As He lived. As He lived. Not clinging to power, not trying to amass power, not trying to be the conquerors, not trying to be victorious. That we would humbly Give ourselves away for the hurting and the broken and the lonely and the marginalized. That we would see the places where hurting people are and we would let them know there is a Savior who loves them by realizing that we will not demonstrate the love of Christ if we insist on clinging to earthly power. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not grab hold of earthly power to somehow leverage his kingdom message. He gave up power so that his message would be clear. And and I know, I know some will counter with the argument that, yes, but the next time he comes, he's going to be a conqueror. The next time he comes, he's going to, be victorious, that the next time he comes, he's really going to let people have it. He's got a horse, he's got a sword, he's got an AR-15, like he's coming, maybe not that last part, he's coming. And I would say, maybe, but he hasn't come like that yet. All I know is how he came the first time. I clearly understand how he came the first time. How he comes the next time is up to him. I know how he came the first time. And I know he has not called me to be that conqueror. He's called me to be like him. He's called me to walk and speak as he walked and spoke. Yes, he is the mighty God. This takes nothing away from his power. But when he walked this planet, that power was demonstrated in love, in grace, and mercy. Was demonstrated in giving himself away. And I kind of think that's how we should live. I kind of think that's the story of Christmas. That we should be like the child of Christmas. Seeing those who are hurting, loving those who need it, pointing everyone to a mighty God who became a suffering servant, a mighty God who was pierced for our transgressions, a mighty God who, though he said he could call 10,000 angels, never did, so that we would know him fully. God, we thank you that you used used your might for us, not against us. Rather than conquering us with your power, you conquered us with your love. And there is nothing more powerful than that. Thank you that when we call on you, we call on a God who is strong, a God who is faithful, a God who is powerful. But we are also calling on the God that when he chose to come into this world, he came humbly and gently, relinquishing power, never moving towards power, only moving towards love and forgiveness and grace. And may we be those kinds of Christmas people, those kinds of Christmas people who live vulnerably and open-handed and willing to show grace that your power could really be seen because that's how it's seen. Work in us. I pray it in Jesus' name.